Hey, Paolo here. And before today's episode, I just wanted to give you a heads up that there are spoilers. We do talk about the ending of the film and because it's a whodunit, I'm just giving you a heads up that if you haven't seen it and you don't want to get spoiled, be careful. You've been warned. On today's episode... What is your podcast about? It's about movie songs. It's the podcast inspired by the songs, inspired by the motion pictures. Sophie, did you just groan? No. First of all, a podcast takes a lot of work, okay? You have to organize the guests, you have to do a Google Calendar, and then you build a following. It takes a long fucking time, and I've been working on it for a while. Yeah, Sophie, it takes some time, and I've been listening to this song for a while. I'm a hot girl, pop girl, rich girl, I'm a bitch girl, fast girl, catch me if you can go. We're talking about Hot Girl by Charlie XCX from the 2022 murder mystery film Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Let's go! Welcome to The Song Will Go On, the podcast inspired by the songs, inspired by the motion pictures. Today, we're covering Hot Girl by Charlie XCX, written for the 2022 mystery thriller Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Helping us to unpack this bloody mess. You know she did her first share of snow up her nose in order to prepare for this spot. It's co-host Sofia Matano. <laughs> wow, I didn't think we were going to tell anybody about that. You, you did it, right? It wasn't just me. You got the memo, right? <laughs> this is method podcasting we're doing today. Okay, yeah, that's right. Our guest today, she's back for her third stint of The Sun Will Go On. Back in season one, she's the one we called for Ghostbusters. She also helped us deep dive into one of my favorite movie songs, Weird Science by Oingo Boingo, which by the way, Google Docs just keeps auto-correcting to Bingo Bingo. It's Oingo Boingo, <laughs> Google Docs. She's a part-time co-host of both the Loser's Club podcast, a pot dedicated to all things Stephen King, and the Pot in the Pendulum podcast, which deep dives into all things horror. And you can also find her writing in sites like Rue Morgue, Dead Central, Daily Grier House. It's Rachel Reeves. What's up, Rachel? Oh my gosh, you guys. I'm so excited to be here for this. And the third time's a charm. <laughs> and I get to talk about Charlie. And it's a dream. When you pitched this, I was like, oh my God, this is perfection. I'm obsessed with Charlie XCX. So can't wait to give this song its due. Well, yeah. I, speaking of, our guests traditionally pick the song sometimes. You did not pick this song, but you were very eager when I suggested it. Why so eager? You know, Charlie XCX is an artist that I wasn't necessarily familiar with like early in her career. But when I was working at a record store, I had a coworker, shout out to Zach, who was really into her and kind of introduced me to her and would play her music in the store and talk about her. And I ended up just absolutely following in love with her. And the more I found out about her and kind of her approach to being a pop artist. I just find her incredibly fascinating and inspiring. And that has that love has just continued. And I just everything she puts out, I'm just obsessed with. And so yeah, I am thrilled to see her enter the world of 
film music. She's got a couple film songs too. And as yeah. no secret, right. I love film music. <laughs> so, you know, having those worlds collide is just incredible. And so, you know, I didn't pick the song, but sometimes I feel like fate intervenes and maybe, mm. you know, maybe the universe picked it for me. I don't know. <laughs> There's no nostalgia on today's episode because we're covering... No. Yes, a song from 2022. We're doing it again. Who created this song, <laughs> are you asking yourself? It wasn't just Charlie XEX. It was... Yes, the movie, its creator. Alive, it's alive, it's alive. Sophie, slap us with that movie setup. Can do. Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is a 2022 slasher film directed by Dutch actress, writer, and director Helena Rain. The screenplay was written by Sarah Lapp with the story by Kristen Rupenian. The film stars Amanda Stenberg, Maria Bakalova, Myhala Harold, Chase Sui Wonders, Rachel Sennett, Lee Pace, and Pete Davidson. I gotta say, Sophie, I'm really glad I did not wrote this movie set up for this because that's a handful with those names. You got your work cut out. That- like, <laughs> yeah, I I apologize if I butchered any of those. Well, it's, Much it's like a slasher. The characters yeah. of the movie get butchered. Okay. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> here's the plot. When a group of 20-somethings get stuck in a mansion during a hurricane, their party game goes very wrong, resulting in multiple gruesome deaths. Friends begin to turn on each other as they try to identify the killer among them. Kristen Rupenian sold her spec script of Bodies, Bodies, Bodies to A24 in 2018 after publishing her 2017 viral short story Cat Person in The New Yorker. Ultimately, DeLapp would rewrite the script and Rupenian would maintain a story by credit. Bodies, Bodies, Bodies would be the first film from the production company 2AM, which founded in 2021. This would also be Rain's introduction to Hollywood. Principal photography began in May 2021, and the movie was filmed almost entirely in a mansion in Chappaqua, New York, in 24 days. The film premiered at South by Southwest you know, on March 14th. 20- they get it out in 24 days. That's their thing. Oh, is that the rule? No. <laughs> no. I was like, wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, feel like wait, I saw you both on that. I was like, I got, I got them both now. Yeah, got no, I, I don't think everything everywhere was 24 days. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good point. <laughs> All right. Uh, the film premiered at South by Southwest on March 14th, 2022, and was released theatrically in select cities in August 2022. In its opening weekend, it made $226,653 from six theaters in LA and New York. Oh yeah, we got it down to the dollar. So per venue, that averaged about $37,775. And that was the second best for a limited release in 2022, following Everything Everywhere all at once. And that one made about 50 grand. I was thinking, I don't, is that good? Is that bad? Like I'm still like in Barbie world where it's just like to... Yeah, fair. Billions. Yeah. Uh, Well, uh, bodies did expand to a nationwide release, and they made 3.1 million at the box office. So, like, definitely not Barbie money, but I think that's respectable for such a small movie as this, especially you know in a post-pandemic world. Oh yeah, you're right. It opened to mostly favorable reviews, with some praising the dark humor, the performances, particularly Rachel Sennett's performance, the cinematography, and the exploration of friendships in the digital age. Others criticized the film for lazy stereotyping of how Gen Z approaches societal topics and said that the characters were written as weak, but were elevated by the performances. 
I want to hear what you all think. Will Bodies, Bodies, Bodies have a final girl legacy? Or is this just a first kill? Hmm. I'm so glad to have Rachel because... Yes. <laughs> Rachel, you are queen of horror. So we'll start with you. What is your relationship with Bodies, Bodies? I, bodies. I, mean, I, I, I left yeah, one body. Yeah. Bodies. 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 And I was like, that sounds weird. Oh, bodies. Yeah. <laughs> one more. There's an extra one thrown in there. I was so intrigued by this film because this was a kind of movie where the trailer, I was like, all right, I'm either going to hate this because it's going to drive me insane or I'm going to love it. And so I went and I was curious, mm -hmm. went to the theater when it did its theatrical run and I ended up really liking it. And I think as far as it's like long-term legacy, I'm not sure. I think it might take a while. And I say this because I'm thinking mm -hmm. about those like early 2000s horror films that mm -hmm. so many people for so long. And, I, you know, there's still some folks that are like, OK, those were those are bad. Well, let's just pretend we don't you know, those didn't exist. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of people, myself included, that kind of have a real soft spot for films, you know, like House of Wax or some of the, you know, the Last House on the Left remake or the Texas Chainsaw remake, for, you know, with Jessica Biel, like that kind of era of filmmaking, which at the time kind of weren't, you know, very beloved, but now have a real kind of nostalgia factor. And I think that's what this film does in a really clever way is really kind of capture the zeitgeist of this time and subvert some things, make fun of some things and embrace a lot of this, those stereotypes intentionally. So I think, you know, in a few years, that might come back and people might look at it a little differently. So that's my prediction. But, you know, only time will tell. We'll see. <laughs> I didn't know House of Walks and that takes us. Chainsaw was sort of like not that welcoming. But I consider me that camp. I got a soft spot for both. I remember being a fan of Alicia Cuthbert at the time. She was in House of yeah. Walks. I was like, oh, great. She's mm. getting a film. And Jessica Biel, and that takes us, I, I remember having like a good time at, at that movie. I, I found it scary, but that's because the whole Texas Chainsaw, it is like a good, like, it's hard not to make a good scary movie out of that, in my opinion. Yeah. And those are remakes, I will say that, but there are some, you know, some more original films from that era too. But I just think that if those were some of your entry into horror, like, and I'm sure that this movie has people that are younger than myself that, you know, we'll look back at it in 10 years and have some interesting memories to associate with it. And we'll see how that ages. But I'm, I'm curious to see, but hopeful because I, yeah, I, I liked it and I had more fun with it than I thought. Sophia, what, what are you, that's a, mm -hmm. actually that's an internal joke no one's going to get, but Sophie <laughs> used to get phone messages from her uh, vo robot voice from school. And I was like, Sophia, you have missed. <laughs> so, and I, Joke with Sophie sometimes, Sophia. Yeah, when I cut class, uh, we would get an automated phone call home at the end of the day to like <laughs> narc on us to our parents. And so they would rude Sophia. And then I know, right? You're like, it's not me. Um, Clearly, that's not even yeah. me. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. Uh, I, I actually really had a lot of fun watching this movie. And on one hand, that is great. And on the other hand, it was a bit of a bummer because I wasn't scared and I wanted to be yeah. more scared in this movie. But I did really, I always love a movie in particular that is set in one location. I've always been drawn to those stories. I don't know if it's like the theater person in me who just really likes one set, but 
I loved getting to explore the space with the characters. And then definitely, I think the movie's strong point is the exploration of the friendships and sort of Mm -hmm. how quickly they all turn on each other. Less so the slasher elements or the horror elements. I also love films that take place during like a night or a party and it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be horror or thriller, also comedies. I feel like they just have this quality of really being present. Like you're really present. It's like very easy for those kind of films to hold my attention, I feel like. Because mm-hmm. there's a, yes. a, a, some kind of urgency or like you're in the moment with those films. And I, I love them. I, that's like a subgenre that I love. So I'm there with you. This film, I saw it for the first time preparing for the pod. But it was in my watch list for a very long time because I've heard good things about it. I was really excited to watch it. I just couldn't, had not gotten to it. But I'm really glad, Sophie, you bring up the scary aspect of it. I think that's a, like a good way to start steering off in like different lanes with this movie. But yeah, the marketing for this movie, I feel like lets you down a little bit. And I mean, that's, you know, same old song and dance with it. How many can we say that about movies? I I love the movie. I thought it was so much fun. I thought it was super funny. I love the performances. I love the script, the direction. There's really nothing I dislike. It's more about like, is it a 10 or is it an 8 or is it a 9? Like, did the highs go that as high as, as I wish? But I really didn't have any lows. And it was a really fun movie. I am glad that I sort of accidentally took a long time to see it. Because I feel like if I would have seen it immediately when it was promoted, I would have been like, ah, this wasn't Scream. This wasn't scary the way they're promoting it. But I found a really good interview with the director and let's hear her out. I come from such a different world because again, I come from the stage. That's where I worked all my life doing all these classical tragic roles. So horror is something that I know something about, but not a lot. So I thought, I'm not gonna think about horror. I'm just gonna make my own little genre, you know? So I see it, I don't see it as a horror film. I, I think I see it more as a murder mystery, like a modern version of Clue. That's how I see it, like a fun contemporary version of Clue. So those were the sort of like the references I used. And to me, that, that makes perfect sense. If I look at the film through that angle, it is absolutely, it's a really great whodunit. I, I didn't know who who done it. I thought it was really funny, like her reference clue, we gotta have some humor. So in that in that sense, yes, it, it makes perfect sense. But I think it's the A24 marketing was like, you know, oh, this is gonna be a little bit on the slasher sort of scream side. And I can see how people can get disappointed with that. Yeah, sort of on that note, and I'd be really curious to hear what Rachel thinks of this as our resident uh, horror expert. But I saw a lot of reviews in particular calling this Gen Z's scream or even even with this director just now Mm -hmm. saying this is sort of like a clue for the modern age for the 20-somethings and I kind of I mean not to disagree with the intent of the creator but I sort of disagree with both I didn't feel like there is enough on the mystery side of the plot to make it truly mysterious in the way that Clue has all of these twists and turns. And it didn't have enough on the slasher side, like Scream, to really bring those horror elements, which of course the director said wasn't her main focus. I think this movie sort of has more in common with Heathers than either of those Uh, I had that on my notes. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. And uh, of course, they they mentioned that it was um, I've seen in in multiple articles that they reference Lord of the Flies meets Mean Girls, which is um, (laughs) I've actually heard that applied to like a lot of different things, which, of course, I love that. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I mean, back to my point earlier, I think it's more about the friendships and it's saying more about young people relating to each other and how deep these friendships go or really how shallow they are and how quick they are to turn on each other than than anything but yeah Rachel I'd love to hear your takes on the on the horror elements yeah I mean if you're going to compare something like maybe you shouldn't compare it to like such a juggernaut like you know revolutionary (laughs) film like scream like I feel like that's like setting yourself up for failure so maybe that wasn't the best reference it also like it reminded like I'm a sucker for a good like Agatha Christie like adaptation yeah. or Sophie story. Really and too. so, yeah, like mm-hmm. I love like anything with like Hercule Poirot, like I'm all in. And so it kind of had like those vibes where it's like these people know each other and they have these like histories that they don't necessarily want to talk about, but they're all trapped in this, you know, environment. And I I did not find this scary. I will say, I mean, there's some like cool moments visually that I thought were like Mm -hmm. well executed in terms of like, you know, a horror aesthetic. But what I appreciated was the tension, but it was a interpersonal (laughs) tension, like like these characters interacting and fighting with each other and not trusting each other like. And having these confrontations like that gives me like confrontation gives me such like anxiety. (laughs) So like situations like this, I find it like almost cathartic because I'm just like, ooh, just like watching like, oh, my God, like I can't imagine like what would I do in this situation, you know? So I really I loved how these relationships felt toxic, (laughs) but also Mm -hmm. like I could kind of believe it where these people are friends, but, you know, probably shouldn't be. And they just go back so far that it's like, wait, why are you guys even still friends? But it's just those like deep rooted connections that they don't even realize how kind of dysfunctional they are. And I hate to say it's more of like, like a character drama than like horror, but yeah, (laughs) I I just agree with you both. And here's why, because Sophie, although I, I, you know, I'm not the smartest moviegoer, so I really a whodunit to get me like, who did it? It's really not that mm-hmm. complicated. Like, I never guess. Yeah. But yeah, if you compare it to something maybe like a Knives Out, then no, you're right. The movie doesn't do as much work to be like, oh, man, I really have no clue what, what's yeah. happening here. I can see how your point of like, it, definitely not the screen, but also definitely not the clue highs doesn't get that. But one thing that I'm really surprised is when you were reading on your movie setup, some criticism of the characters written as weak. And I'm like, I really, really strongly disagree with that because like Rachel was saying, if anything, I feel like the characters have so much going on that maybe it gets too much in the way of of the murder mystery Mm -hmm. aspect of it. Like there's so much like she said drama actually and, and character were going on that maybe if they had spent less amount of time doing that they could have more worked on like the knives out intricate plot of things but i i liked it as it is i found that that drama between the characters the friendship all the themes like the social media the friendship the fake friends those really work well i i've seen more of like the knives out and intricate plot and less of this character work so i I was fine with getting this flavor that is not that frequent to me versus the other one i think ultimately what made me like it's what sold it to me is the fact that you know spoiler alert 
there isn't really a killer. Like it is literally these characters getting in their own ways and like making this mess. And I just thought that was so funny and so clever in a way to kind of subvert those expectations of this sort of murder mystery. The fact that it's like, they're all just, you know, so dysfunctional, terrible, obnoxious people that they got themselves in this mess and that, in fact, there was no actual murder mystery to be solved. That ending is really what drives home the fact that this is a satire. Mm -hmm. And this movie already leans into the absurd, but I think that that is just really the nail in the coffin as it were like to really like <laughs> drive this point home that like it was all for nothing <laughs> i actually found Kristen rupenian's original script for this movie online the one that she sold to a24 and it has a very different ending oh yeah it's sort of like the situation in get out at the end where there's like two people left one innocent and one guilty and they're in front of the cops and one person's lying so it's sort of the tension of that and i think that ending while you know a more traditional mystery ending you know it all comes to to a head uh i think that in the ending that sarah delap ended up writing it like i said really brings in the absurdity and it also brings it back to these two characters who we see kissing in the very beginning and then they're wrestling sort of almost to the death at the very end so i really liked that that juxtaposition between them Something that I like to say a lot in this podcast is, is this the breakfast club of the generation? I always bring it. That's like a recurring bit. This It's not also because it's like an all female one, but Heather's, you nailed it. Like Heather, Mean Girls, like it feels like those type of cast and everyone, everyone was super solid. Everyone. By the way, spoiler for WTF. Had no idea Amanda Sandberg, who played Sophie, Rue from Hunger Games. That's her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's also credited as executive producer. Could not find any info on why or that role, but like what a boss move from like to have a bunch of the other people in the cast. He's like, yeah, I'm also like the executive producer, whatever. Well, I could tell that she felt really strongly about this movie. And uh, I guess now is a good time as any to bring up the sort of New York Times review controversy that went on, if you guys remember this on Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it. So Lena Wilson uh, is a reviewer for the New York Times, and she wrote in her review... The only thing that really sets Bodies, Bodies, Bodies apart in its place in the A24 hype machine, where it doubles as a 95-minute advertisement for Cleavage and Charlie XCX's latest single. Which, I mean, I'm not going to deny the single part, because that's what we're here to mainly talk about, but anyway. I don't agree with that, though. Well, no, I don't agree with it either. But Stenberg sent her a direct message on Instagram saying, Your review was great. Maybe if you had gotten your eyes off my tits, you would have watched the movie. <laughs> so like a little sassy, but like kind of funny, right? Um, and then Wilson posted a screenshot of the interaction and said, do you think she Instagram DM'd Alison Wilmore, Justin Chang, or Anthony Lane like this? Sort of insinuating that this was a homophobic comment because uh, Wilson is a lesbian. And I don't know if she was aware that Amanda is queer as well, but Stenberg's like been very public about her sexuality and she's talked about it openly. So 
she had a, a, a nice response. She was basically saying that she was just trying to make a lighthearted joke with another gay person. She thought that the review was hilarious and that, you know, she was just trying to make a joke, not trying to harass. I, I can see, like, if she's an executive producer on this film, she might have been extra sensitive to, you know... I'm not going to say that Lena Wilson's review wasn't thoughtful, but it was very dismissive of the movie, of course. So I can see how she might be a little bit more impassioned <laughs> to defend it. Well, anyway, Amanda is winning because she's been cast as the main role in the new Star Wars series, The Acolyte. So, mm. yeah, she, she's OK. <laughs> she's going to be fine. Yeah, she'll but be fine. But that's the thing. I feel like my hot take now is not a hot take, but I was just blown away by the girl who played Alice, Rachel Sinnott. Yeah, she was a major standout. I was glued to every joke she made, everything she did. She was just so fucking funny. This is to say, I honestly think we might look back at this cast and be like, oh, you know, like, this is a moment. Yeah, she's amazing. She's so good at just these characters and like Shiva Baby, if you've ever seen that, like that. I, just I like, will. I it, will. It's another one of those films that just it's like uncut gems to where just like it gives me so much anxiety, but like it's so good. <laughs> but it's just like I can't like I can't imagine being in these, this position and dealing with all this stuff. And I think that she is incredible in this film, really just shows her ability to play these and like her character is so unlikable you know a lot of these characters yes. are and i just think that playing something so unlikable and so delusional <laughs> like that takes a special talent that character just is probably i think it's my fa she's my favorite character in this movie i hadn't actually thought about that but i just find her so funny and the way she's able to kind of just like turn on a dime and be like in her mind dead serious about something but it's just so funny i would love to ask you guys what you think about lee pace and his character in this film <laughs> i'm i'm a huge lee pace fan like actually my, my spoiler for answerable question my wtf was like my reaction when i saw lee pace was in the movie i forgot and i'm like i love his acting and and i will say nothing bad about it i don't know i i, I think he his casting was really good because just based on his physicality sometimes since his delivery he is sort of like right on the edge of being really cool laid back or psycho mode you're like you're always yeah. sort of like flip-flopping into both and with just one look he can give you that like psycho vibe and then immediately give you like i'm way high still man what the fuck you know so mm -hmm. he was just a really great placement in this movie as a sort of like uh this i don't want to know what to call it distraction uh that what's the word uh but red like herring a, red herring yeah kind of red herring mm. like because because i i flip you know flip flop over like it's too obvious like um, i don't know but maybe the obvious thing is sometimes uh you know so i i just think he was a great addition i like uh pete davison has a behind the scenes and he's like someone some epk interview someone asked him can you describe the movie probably and he's like the movie's about six friends and lee pace hanging out one night <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah yeah but um sorry that's a very long answer to your question Risha. but i i, I liked it but i'm curious why you brought it up he feels to me because he's so he's a little bit older than the rest of these you know kids right you know he's dating alice or you know whatever the relationship is but that's the only reason why he's really here and i think he just adds that element of like oh wow 
I'm not on the same wavelength as you guys. And he he's kind of like the straight man mm-hmm. against all of these other characters. And so having that little extra element there really kind of tempers kind of the dialogue and the interactions and kind of the craziness of all these other kids. Like he's having fun and he's doing okay, but he's clearly a little bit more adult and just kind of, I just love seeing him interact with them. And then, yeah, also like not really knowing what his motivations are until it's, you know, clear that he no longer has any motivations. (laughs) I was surprised by his casting a little bit because initially I thought, well, someone of his caliber might not take something like this because there's not that much to do Mm -hmm. for for him. You know, he does die pretty early on uh, in the movie. But when I got to watching it, I was just really impressed with him. I have been in situations like this when I was 22 and someone's weird old boyfriend is there. (laughs) Like, can't. It's like buying you know like alcohol or whatever Mm -hmm. and we're all like thanks not trying to talk to you you know (laughs) so it's a I I really like related to that (laughs) specifically even though I kind of think and maybe this is just a personal preference I kind of think he was almost too hot like it would Mm, be better mm -hmm. if he was like a little bit grosser for the plot (laughs) to to make it a little bit easier because I was like no he's too hot to have killed people he can't do it Yeah. And it's like all of her friends know is that's like, okay, this is clearly not going to work out probably in the long term. So like, I'm not even going to bother getting to know him. So he's just kind of exactly there. God, I love the I love the whole thing about like, wasn't he like a vet? In Afghanistan, and it's like oh yeah. he was a veterinarian assistant. Yeah, <laughs> just like, there's a privilege here, a pr- like a privilege of youth, a privilege of you know just that freedom that comes with like I don't care, I don't have to know that much about him. Like he's hot, and I'm having fun, and that's like kind of what I like is that it just captures that kind of magical moment in life where you're just. You don't really care (laughs) and just you're having fun and just embracing the moment and, you know, but maybe they're embracing it for a little too long. But I think there's (laughs) something there that, you know, everybody can relate to for a second anyways. I do want to give props to Sarah DeLapp for her screenplay on this. I wish I could have seen this play of hers. I I only read it, Uh, but it was called The Wolves and it's about a soccer team and when you read the script, the dialogue is so back and forth. It's exactly like bodies, bodies, bodies. And everyone has such a distinct voice. And I think she did a really great job of not only just capturing the voice of young people. I mean, I'm not Gen Z, so I'm not going to act like all the slang was used correctly or you know yeah. whatever it is. But I think that she did a great job of capturing the back and forth between, you know, 20-somethings. And I highly recommend anyone, if you can see it, amazing. And if you can read it, it's called The Wolves. It's just a brilliant, brilliant play. Like, masterclass in dialogue. Absolutely. I appreciate that she's having fun with it and, like, fully embracing that dialogue. Um, And there's a playful attitude about it. But I don't necessarily... Mm -hmm. I I don't think that she's making fun of it. I I mean... At times, yes, like there, but there's a self-awareness to it that I think is important. So it's not like 
appalling this, you know, Gen Z generation or kids that, you know, potentially do talk like this with their friends. It's not like making fun of them and calling, you know, saying something really negative about it. But mm-hmm. like it's it's a it's a, a fine line. But I think she, this film handles it pretty well. I'd be curious if someone walks away from this film and thinking, man, are these like young people stupid? Like, have you seen American Pie? <laughs> And how, like, mm-hmm. early 20-somethings were portrayed there. These characters just, like, way smarter than the characters you've seen in American Pie or stuff like that. So, I mean, nicer? I don't know. But at least smarter? Maybe, yeah. They're using bigger words, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I specifically loved the use of all of the, like, psychological terms, like gaslighting, and, you know, <laughs> triggered and everything. Like, of Toxic, course, like, you know, the language. The... Yeah, it's just totally peppered through. And that is exactly how people talk now. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to deep dive into Charlie XCX, hot girl for the movies, bodies, 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 bodies bodies no minus one bodies no yeah i got it three bodies 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 <laughs> bodies i'm a hot girl and i come in different flavors all the hot boys got me as the screensaver tall green money green just like potatoes taking off my clothes in the window for the neighbor we're back and today we are deep diving into hot girl by charlie xcx from the mystery thriller bodies 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 and sophie let's just get to it we got a lot to cover here yeah let's do it hot girl is a 2022 pop trap song by english singer and songwriter charlie xcx the track was written by charlie and george daniel for bodies 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 and the song plays during the credits the song is about hot rich girls going to a party in a mansion which captures the spirit of the movie the song was released ahead of the nationwide release of the movie on july 27th 2022. Here's a little bit about the artist. Charlie XCX has really staked her claim on the pop music industry. She was discovered on MySpace, which led to her performing at raves when she was 15 years old. And uh, on Chicken Shop Date uh, on on YouTube, she told a really cute story about how her parents used to go with her (laughs) to raves because uh, she was too young. So they were like at these illegal raves watching her perform. I think that's adorable. (laughs) However, most of us were introduced to her in 2012 with an international smash hit song she wrote and was featured on, I Love It by Iconopop. That song smells like vodka to me. Like those, those. <laughs> that song is my like going out year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that's I, got, that's got like some feel hard, a like, little nauseous listening to that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so yeah. are you going with this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That song's making me a little nauseous. Not gonna lie. Okay. <laughs> Okay, uh, in 2014, she contributed the hook and bridge to Iggy Azalea's Fancy. I'm so fancy, you already know, I'm in the best lane, from LA to Tokyo. Is that the one with the Clueless music video? Yep. Ah. Okay, that's a, that's a cool music video. Yeah, that song was one of the year's best-selling singles and earned two Grammy noms. That same year, Charlie released her first top 10 single on the Billboard Hot 100, Boom Clap. This must be love. Boom, 
That song sounds older than a song from the 90s. I don't know why, but it sounds older. <laughs> it's like H very much. Like I hear it and instantly think about, I mean, it's like the title is almost like, is it that satire? Because every song from that time pop sounds like boom clap. You can remember we talked about whist, whistle rock in one of the episodes. I take that back. It's boom uh -huh. clap. Boom clap music is the genre. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was a massive hit at the time. Uh, granted, I, it's pretty different from her sound today. But also, so. that was from a movie. A very depressing movie. <laughs> yeah, I have yeah, not seen it, but from... it's like The Fall in All Stars, right? Yeah, yeah. haven't seen yeah. it, but it sounds sad. <laughs> <laughs> not the song, yep. though, which is yeah. weird, no. right? <laughs> like, what happened? Like, yeah, I saw this on research and I was like, I keep saying it. Movie soundtracks, movie songs, a pillar of pop mm -hmm. culture. Charlie XCX, her first Hot 100 Billboard single, top 10 single, thanks to the movie. I'm telling you, it's everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Back to Charlie. In addition to her solo work, she has also co-written for other artists such as Selena Gomez and Shawn Mendes and Camila Cabello. More recently, Charlie XCX was featured on the Barbie soundtrack with her song Speed Drive. Okay, let's talk hot girl. In a Reddit AMA, the movie's director, Helena Rain, said that she had been trying to meet with Charlie before the shoot even started because they both really liked each other. Rain sent Charlie a very early cut of the film and she loved it, so she started working on this song. Charlie collaborated with George Daniel, who is the drummer of and primary producer for the band The 1975. Here's a taste of their first and biggest hit, Chocolate, and their song with the most streams on Spotify, Somebody Else. Man, one of those songs was substantially better than the other one. I'm just gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say, I am like into that second one, but the first one. Weird. Yeah, same second one, but the same. The first, first one, one, yeah. The first one sounds like 2023. It's not boom the clap song's music. Fault. <laughs> yeah. Daniel has stated that drummers make for great producers because they're so tuned into the beat of the song. This can definitely be felt in Hot Girl, which has a huge emphasis on rhythm. But before we get too detailed about the song, I want to open the floor to both of you. Let's discuss. What a convenient thing for a drummer to say about <laughs> drummers producing. Oh yeah, like, we're like really <laughs> yeah, awesome we're like at really producing. good, you know. <laughs> like, Rachel. You already said that you are a very big fan of Charlie XCX. So mm -hmm. I want to hear why. What's your fandom with her? But also, what was your reaction then when this song came out? Like, it's it's Charlie XCX. She's doing a song for a, again, if you go by the marketing, horror-ish movie. Take us back. I mean, I heard the song before I saw the movie and loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I think just what I love about her is I just feel like she's not afraid to have, like, fun with her pop music like her lyrics they can be 
you know, incredibly personal and poignant and that stuff. But she's also not afraid to just have fun with her lyrics. And I think we see some of that in Hot Girl, right? And just she just writes such solid, catchy pop tunes. And this is a prime example of that. I also love that she's not afraid to evolve and try new sounds. And she collaborates with so many other incredible artists more than, you know, her labels would like her to from what I've, I've read mm-hmm. and heard that they kind of push back on that. So they're like, why do you have to collect, like have somebody on every song? And it's because she wants to. And she's worked with some incredible artists and given them levels of exposure that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. And I just admire that so much. And she, because of her, she's introduced me to some other artists that I wouldn't have known about. And I think that that's incredible. And you never know what you're going to get with a Charlie XCX album. And that's not a bad Mm -hmm. thing because I think they're all great in their own ways. Sophie, did you know about Charlie XCX before the movie? Similar story to how Rachel had a friend who introduced her to Charlie XCX. I also had a friend who is super tapped into new music and she was working at her college radio station. And she sent me uh, Charlie's single, Super Love, in 2013 and we both loved it it became like a staple car song and uh it was supposed to be the lead single for charlie's next album um but it didn't end up being included in it at all which i think is a shame because i still really enjoy that song i was having a moment with it today listening on spotify and i found at least one other person who agrees with me that it it is a great song because in (laughs) 2022 consequence the online magazine they ranked super love eighth out of 10 of charlie's best songs so charlie why was it not on your album that's my question to her she did have a whole album get like leaked or like oh hacked or something and so the whole album i don't know if that's what the story with there but i Hmm. do know that there's a whole album i'll have to do more digging that got scrapped and she was like Sorry, guys. You could be onto <laughs> something, Rachel, because I saw in an interview with her, I didn't clip off, but she was talking about the the waterfall release strategy. Uh, I don't know mm. if you guys have heard that, but it's basically not releasing an album and just releasing songs and songs and songs. So you're kind of like constantly outpouring, you know, and she talks about that a lot in the interview that, you know, she likes the ability in 2023 to just release a music whenever a song whenever she wants you know and like actually Rachel like you also said she alluded to a lot of butting heads with her record label and stuff like that because Mm -hmm. they might prefer like a more traditional sort of like album release or path and she's just like wants to keep constantly pouring music out and out and maybe so what Rachel was saying maybe move on to the next thing because and she like has such a dedicated fan base like her angels right like they are so passionate and it's it's reciprocal and i think that that's part of it is that she's constantly giving them new content and and not not just content like she's giving them really personal like insights and conversations and like special concerts like we saw that especially you know during quarantine she was giving you know just kind of impromptu virtual (laughs) like conversations and concerts with what like with her fans and stuff and she has such a great relationship with them and kind of cultivates a really safe space for a lot of people who might not have that in their day-to-day lives there's a great documentary 
that she put out. I actually I, I reviewed it for Consequence like when it played South oh. by Southwest a few years ago. And I would highly recommend if anybody is interested in learning more about her and her fans. It's a really beautiful tribute to the relationship that she has with them. Oh, that's amazing. Paolo, why not, before we, we keep going, why don't you tell us your relationship with Charlie XCX? I said that like you, like it, it was like yes. something salacious we, going on. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we like to go on long walks at night and yeah. you know, talk about yeah. it. Well, I also had a friend who made me discover Charlie XCX and she's podcasting with us. Rachel, it was you actually. Hey. It was you because ah. uh, we did a <laughs> answerable question remix for one of our was it Ghostbuster I think but like you picked Charlie XCX as your mm-hmm. answer and at the moment I was like great and like staring blank into the microphone <laughs> and then <laughs> in post production I I heard it and I was like oh oh yeah that was a good pick and just kind of heard a little bit but then this song is is what oh hey charlie xcx nice to meet mm-hmm. you i'm paulo <laughs> and i'm gonna keep listening to your music i'd love mm-hmm. this song sophie and i were invited to soundtracking your life a podcast with ryan park and nicole and we were talking about we're doing like an oscar 2022 best original song preview chatting and I was like, this should win the Oscar for Best Original Song. There wasn't a better <laughs> song made for a movie. Like, you know how hard it is to write a song that fits so well in the movie? And also, it's a it's a pop hit. Like, I'm sure there's so many people yeah. who listen to this that have no idea it's about bodies, bodies, bodies. So, yes, this is way more impressive than the shit that you nominated. And also, it's classic Oscar. Like, what a missed opportunity to be relevant by nominating uh charlie xcx song and having it perform like you just the world gives you a layup and you decide no i'm gonna just shoot it for half court like come on man i i, I loved it I, I i love the song I, it's one of my favorite like contemporary movie songs that i've heard and i gotta say one of the reasons is i am addicted to that bass like I, I kind of call this kind of music swag pop, even though like, but it's like someone tried to musically represent what swag is. That's what that bass is. Like, I can't help but like listen to that and feel, I don't know, cooler. <laughs> like it just, it just adds like a, yeah, I got this or whatever. Like it just pumps me up in such a way. Oh, totally. No, Charlie XCX, like everything she does is a vibe. (laughs) Like, you know, Mm -hmm. that vibe can be a party vibe. It can be an introspective vibe. It can be a melancholy vibe, but like everything she does just has such an energy about it. And yeah, this is like, we're getting ready. We're going out. It's like that, like pre-funk energy. (laughs) To me, it's like not the, I I, I was very specific, but not the pre, this is the walking in the door at the party. You know, <laughs> this is a, this is I, I'm already pumped, but this is when I walk in the mm-hmm. door, slow motion shot, and you're just like looking at everyone, like you know, that's what it's yeah. just like. Yeah. I mean, as, as she says, pull up to the mansion, pull up to the party. Rachel, I want to go back to something you said because I thought she nailed it. Is just how fun her music feels, how fun her creative strategy feels, and. I think you're onto something because I feel like this aligned with uh, a really good clip I found of her in like an interview talking about her songwriting process. 
I do feel like songs are getting shorter though, which I do actually quite like, to be honest. I I was um, reading about myself on Twitter. Everyone was kind of like, the songs on this album are so short. And I was like, yeah, it's 2022. So what are some of those tricks that you use to make sure that the skip rate is as low as possible? Like chorus within like the first 30 seconds. No like weird, like self-indulgent intro, which is basically all my songs I put on my album. Um, hook at the top in the intro. Probably maybe even start with the chorus. I think like radio songs should be like two minutes 20, like get in, get out, like everybody just get on with your life. You can just hear from that, like she doesn't, she takes it serious in terms of like craft, you know, like strategy and, and very direct. But it's also like, it's also song to like make you feel good for like two something minutes, less than three minutes. And yeah. Yeah. I think that sometimes pop can be, is like a dirty word, right? Like, oh, it's pop music. Yeah. Like it's not, like it mm -hmm. doesn't take skill and it's not a craft in and of itself. And I think that Charlie understands the art of pop music and understands what it is. And that's not a bad thing. And I still think that she is making what she loves you know, I don't think that she's like, oh, I'm just going to like deconstruct this and, you know, engineer this song. But I think that she's this is what she likes to make. And she just isn't going to force it to be something else because, oh, well, you know, I want to be a respected artist or whatever. Like she does. I'm sure she wants to be a respected artist. She is a respected artist, but she knows that mm -hmm. I can just have fun and make a two minute song that's just a banger. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I just I love that. Yeah, and as you go through her albums throughout time, because she's she's been around for a minute. She started super young, and she's still super young. So it, it's really interesting to sort of go through her discography and see her grow as an artist. And I found this really interesting quote from her because I feel like it sort of relates to Hot Girl, even though she said it before. Uh, she said about her about when she first started making music i was still in school i'd just come out of this weird rave scene and i wasn't really sure what to make of that and then i got signed i hated pop music i wanted to make bad rap music i didn't know who i was i didn't know what i liked even though i was signed i was still figuring it out and i feel like she kind of has made a bad rap song with hot girl but not i'm not saying it's a bad song i'm just saying it's sort of a bad rap song because she is rapping throughout most of it oh yeah it's absolutely pop so i just think it's interesting that like her original uh inclination is, is sort of like coming out even later even after she's become this mega pop star yeah i think for a long time she was probably being tried like I'm sure that labels were trying to put her in a certain category, like, oh, are you a rapper? Oh, are you a singer? Or, you know, like trying to make her into, and she was like, well, why can't I do a little bit of both? You know, like, why can't I just have fun with it? And if I want to sing on this track and do a little rap on this track. And I think that she was just doing a style of music that maybe the world just wasn't quite ready for at the time. And <laughs> she's always kind of existed under the radar of, I mean, you think of like pop stars, right? You think, like, I don't know. I think of like Britney Spears and Taylor mm -hmm. Swift and yeah. like, you know, and like, I, I know Beyonce transcends everything, but she is a pop star. And mm -hmm. I, she's always been just kind of like at this second tier of pop stardom. And 
I don't think even she's understood really why. But I mean, she she toured with Taylor Swift. <laughs> and I she think did, that was, yeah, yeah, which is like crazy. But I also think that was the last time that she basically said, like, I'm not going to open for anybody anymore. Like, I've paid my dues and it's headlining tours or bust. And like, she deserves that. And I think that takes a lot of courage to say that. That's definitely hot girl energy. That's definitely hot girl energy. And mm-hmm. I just, yeah, sometimes I think it's like the world isn't quite ready to embrace Charlie XCX for whatever reason. And I don't get it. And I say the world, I mean, you know, the, the larger industry powers that be, not us, because I embrace her. <laughs> yeah. We're also coming at it from an American standpoint. I'm not really sure what uh, her reputation is like in, you know, Britain. That's she true. Is an English artist. So she might be, it, it might be a different situation there. I'm not sure. Yeah. I want to go back to Art Girl. Did you guys know that this song is like promoted at the end of the first trailer for Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? Like not audio wise, they, it uses it throughout, but like at the end mm-hmm. of the trailer it says featuring Hot Girl oh. by. And I was like, hmm. Holy shit, I've never have I seen like that in a movie trailer? Like for a movie song? Like dang, that's a new benchmark. The movie song being Yeah, not lately. Being I I don't even can remember. But also, this might be a new one for our our pot. This song has merch. A movie mm-hmm, song really? that has its own merch. Yeah, I went on the A24 website and there's like a hot girl bodies bodies t-shirt, and I was like Amazing. I'm sure there's other movie songs that have merch, but I can't think of. But dang. There's got to be My Heart Will Go On. That's what I thought. Oh my God. That's that's (laughs) exactly what I thought too. But you know, but yeah. But still, I guess, I guess that's one accomplishment for Hot Girls. You get to the level of movie song with merch. Also, I know that you'll appreciate this. I love that on the vinyl record, you get the score and you get some of the soundtrack, including this song. Nice. And I love that you get both. I love it when you get both on one. And yeah. Give me the whole just cake. One or yeah. the other. Yep. <laughs> I want it all. I want to play something for you both. And I want to see how, how you react. The question is, are these similar? I'm a hot girl, pop girl, rich girl, I'm a bitch girl, fast girl, catch me if you can girl, you a swerve girl, who the fuck are you girl, you just wanna be me. That my best friend, she a real bad bitch, got her own money, she don't need no nig on the dance floor, she had two, three drinks, now she twerking, she throw it out and come back in, that's my best yeah, Sweetie featuring Doja Cat. She's from the Bay Area, just saying. Here's here's why I bring it up. I don't bring it up to me like, oh, did she copy Sweetie? No. I'm bringing it up because we're having this conversation <laughs> where the line between hip hop and pop is so blur. Like, I don't uh-huh. even, I really don't even know where one, like, because Rachel, like, you, I think of pop star, I think of Taylor Swift. I don't think of Charlie XCX, but technically it is like she's it's like where and I think this that's what I think it's cool about this example that if the songs are similar, they're similar, but they're a a different genre. So that's how similar like pop and hip hop are nowadays. I found it very curious. And Sophie, you're the first thing you said on your song intro was pop trap, which actually that makes perfect sense. I had struggled to kind of find, like, trying to define where this mm-hmm. falls. And I, I came up with my swag, swag pop, which is, I don't know, something <laughs> like 
swag or bragging, you know, it's like an element of hip hop. Yeah. And I feel like that's carrying on over to pop versus with Britney yeah. Spears and all what you said, Rachel. I feel like it was more like love songs, heartbreaks, stuff like that, or I don't know. Mm -hmm. But now it's like that's translated. I thought about uh, one of my favorite movie songs also, Boss Bitch by Doja Cat. I'm a bitch, I'm a boss. Very good swag pop for my definition. Yeah. The other definition I found, have you guys have heard of left field pop? No. No. Me neither. I I but apparently according to Discog, this is a term that's applied to anything with a quirky component or anything that is atypical of its genre or to which no other style really seems to apply. So I don't know. Apparently, left field pop means I don't know what the fuck this is. I call it left field pop. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Okay. I I also um like hyper pop too. It's like the lines yes. all blur. Like I have like because of Charlie XCX and I will say like Dorian Electra and Sophie. It kind of got me down like going like a hyper pop <laughs> lane, and it's fascinating to me because it's just. All these genres are just blurring together in the most fascinating, yeah. creatively odd ways. And it's it's kind of amazing and mind blowing. <laughs> I kind of wanted to dive into Hot Girl a little bit. Let me know how you guys feel about this take, because the movie is campy. I don't know if it's full camp, but it's definitely leading into the absurd, the exaggerated. And the song Hot Girl does the same thing. And when I first heard it, the first thing I thought of was Paris Hilton with her iconic phrase, that's hot. Yeah. Uh, because it, it wasn't just the phrase that's hot. It was also Paris's iconic delivery in the baby kind of nasally voice and when when Paris does it, it it's exaggerated and it's sort of pretending to be vapid. And the it's also the the intent of the phrase, you know, she can say it and it can be sincere like that is genuinely hot or it can be tongue in cheek and or it could be sarcastic. And this song, Hot Girl, I think is doing the same thing. Charlie is putting on this kind of vapid rich girl persona but at the same time, I think she's also genuinely feeling herself and feeling her hotness. So it's very, that's hot. <laughs> you know, I, I just think it's so smart for a movie like this that is campy and is, you know, actually about these rich kids who are a little dumb, but it's just a, such a smart take on it. Yeah. Hot girl is a state of mind, right? Yes, yeah, I mean, absolutely. A few years, wasn't it Hot Girl Summer? Like it's, a, you yeah, know, a state of yeah. being, a state of mind, and yeah, just having that attitude, be like that's hot, and just yeah, knowing your power. <laughs> I think that's a very smart read, Sophie. I don't know if that's something that you know Charlie XCX was going, but I think a very smart read on this song is that it's connecting with the thematic stuff of the movie, you know? They all feel like this song in their head. Like, they all uh -huh. are self-centered. They all think are hot girls. So whether this song is also being a satire, you know, sort of like 
you could argue about the yeah. you know you, you could argue that that it is or not but i think that's a like a really really cool read on the, on the song uh i also think actually uh to rachel's point this was 2022 was charlie xcx's hot girl summer because a little bit before hot girl came out she had her song with tiesto hot in it so i think maybe this was just charlie's hot era and not that she's not hot all the time i just you know yeah, that song is also a banger. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Dropping it, shake my ass, no stopping it. I look hot in it, hot in it, I look hot in it. Rachel, you mentioned something that I was like, does she know? Does she know? I thought you were going to say my favorite bit about that I came up on research. You're right. Charlie XCX did a lot of <laughs> concerts in 2022. And one of them was in Roblox. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> she, Pushing the boundaries. <laughs> she performed on Roblox. Uh, for those listening who have no clue, it's like a virtual world that half the kids in America play. It's like the most popular thing that you don't know about. <laughs> but um, she did a concert on this. Yeah, old person. Yeah. <laughs> She did a concert in it, and I, there's so many things. I'm not saying it's a dumb. Uh, there's very smart decisions about money and stuff like that. But if you have no clue what this might sound like, luckily I brought you some clips. Wait, where? Oh wait, there I am. It's my avatar in the back. Oh my god. Wait, wait, there it is. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, she's walking right. Don't step on it. <laughs> Charlie, don't step on me. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. She almost stepped on me. That would have been, that would have been bad. Okay. Wait, what in the world's going on here? She changed outfits. How should she do that so fast? Man, I, shout out to the makeup crew, man. Literally two seconds. She's already in a brand new outfit. This is amazing. Wait, I know this song. <laughs> She's a fucking avatar. That's how she changed the outfit. Because that's a made up dumb fucking fairy tale, you fuck. God damn. <laughs> oh my God. Drum. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. So, okay. so I, I, had to, <laughs> I had to look up like what was going on here. Like what made this a concert? Cause it was an avatar. Like it was a giant avatar of Charlie XCX. And then uh, you guys, you, this is when like words is, are not going to do it justice. We need to look <laughs> yes. up a video of this, but it's like a ton of little like Lego looking dudes on hoverboards. <laughs> spinning around her and those are all the people watching the concert but apparently she was in a motion capture suit while performing so that's what was going on like those were those movements that you see she's actually doing those movements but we're seeing her avatar do them and the the stream was not without its glitches <laughs> that's for sure if this is the future i don't know i don't know if i want it I'm really on the fence about this. She's not afraid to like <laughs> try new things or, you know, go her own way. And I guess this is, you know, an example of this. Also, that guy was like, ah, she's going to step on me. And I just have to say, like, there's plenty of people out there that would be happy to have Charlie XCX <laughs> step yes, on them. They would pay big money to have yes. Charlie XCX step on them. Hot Girl really got me started thinking about 
Charlie XCX and her relationship to cars. Mm. <laughs> yes. Just quickly going through her songs, which like, I'm not going to pretend like I know all of them, but like just from my basic knowledge of Charlie XCX, she has Hot Girl, which starts with an engine wet revving. Mm-hmm. And it references her song Vroom Vroom in the lyrics, where she says, Rodeo Drive is where I like to shop. I can race you there in my Bentley truck. Vroom Vroom. Crash, the song on her album, also named Crash. She's in a mm-hmm. car on the album cover. We got Speed Drive for Barbie. No explanation mm-hmm. needed. And then we go back to I Love It. I crashed my car into the bridge. And in Fancy, I'm in the fast lane from L.A. to Tokyo. So I don't think she's a great driver. I think that's what she's trying to tell us. But there's something about the car that's like part of the vibe, like part of the aesthetic. Yeah. So you're, you're, you know why fast cars? Because yep. <laughs> they're hot. Fast cars are hot. Yeah, because they're hot. Can yeah, I tell you are. guys? Like... Okay, I'm literally wearing a Fast and Furious shirt. Right <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, Tokyo Drift, to be specific. Yeah. <laughs> but I listen to these songs a lot when driving mm-hmm. my car, my my WRX, <laughs> and like there's an energy that comes when you have a cool car and you're like driving mm. fa- and just like can feel that. Especially, I will say, like as a woman, and I like love that so much, and so it's. I've got my whole playlist, you know, my my liked song playlist and all of those songs that you just mentioned are on there. <laughs> it's just like so fun to drive and feel that energy and just feel so cool. And I that's probably another reason why I just love her so much, because it's like, yeah, Amazing. she gets it. She gets how go- good it feels uh-huh. to drive late at night with your <laughs> windows down, playing Vroom Vroom. Mm. Like it's incredible. Amazing. <laughs> Mine Amazing. is uh, Back to the Future. Comes on I'm in the car. <laughs> spit limit yeah. my my well will us be eighty eight miles per. I just like. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the, uh, speaking of Sophie, you're on you're on point. Have you seen her her new music video for Speed Drive, the Barbie movie song? Actually, I don't think I I have. It's literally her singing, and a car in the background is doing what's it called, Rachel? I mean, like donuts yeah. or or just like yeah, yeah. just yeah. going on circle, burning. It, it's just like that's the whole move. You know, it's like a pink Corvette or something. And it's just like spinning, spinning, and she's just singing on top of it. I mean, I can't imagine the director pitching it to her, be like, we'll just have you stand in front and then a card will spin. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's hot. I like it. Let's go. She's And she's like chained <laughs> to a car in that, I think it's mm-hmm. gone with Christine and the Queens. So like, it's, yeah, it's in her yeah. music videos. It's in her lyrics. Like, I don't actually know what she drives, though. Like, I would love to actually see like what kind of car she chooses good question yeah i don't know she drives the culture Uh, she drives the culture i guess so she drives the genre forward that's in the furious reach out to charlie xcx she's dying to do a movie song for you guys (gasps) that's the perfect pairing yep that would be a dream there's two more coming i guess so (laughs) answerable questions you guys ready for answerable questions let's Mm -hmm. do it all right let's do it Seven seconds in heaven. What seven seconds from the song gives you goosebumps? Rachel, you got to pick seven only. I know the whole song, but. Yeah, I, I know the whole song, but I think I picked starting right about 45 seconds in. I'm a hot girl, pop girl, rich girl. I'm a bitch girl, fast girl. Catch me if you can, girl. You a swerve girl. Who the fuck are you, girl? You just want to be me. For me, it's that whisper when she's like, 
the fuck mm-hmm. are you, girl? Like, it's like... <laughs> it's, nice, yeah. It's so shady. <laughs> like, you know, she's got that energy, but then just that way that she's just saying, like, who are you? <laughs> like, it's... Yeah. It's like, yeah, I just love the energy and like how she executes it. I think that's what it is for me right there. Sophie, sure. what do you got? Yeah. Rachel, mine were exactly the same. And <laughs> I, it's also because, I mean, yes, that part is about 50% of the song, if not more. Uh, but also for a week, whenever I, like, I feel like I've been walking up to Paolo and going, I'm a hot girl. <laughs> Like it's like it's been so stuck in my head that I just I had to pick that as my seven second. I'm a hot girl, pop girl, rich girl, I'm a bitch girl, fast girl, catch me if you can girl. You a swerve girl, who the fuck are you girl? You just wanna be me. Well, so good. I surprisingly didn't go with the beginning. You know, I'm a beginnings mm, guy. You are and it'd be really tempting because once that beat drops, you're like, fuck. But I did not. There's actually a part that, like we established, that beat drops, you're in this vibe, and you think, look, just stay here for three minutes, and I'm good. Like, we don't have to go anywhere. But somehow she manages to kind of just like, you know, pun intended, I suppose, another shift, put the gear on, and (laughs) just gives us something a little bit different. I just, yeah, that just comes like that car, whatever, screeching climax. And then she just comes back and she has kind of like still swag, but it's like a different kind of swag. And you're just like, God damn, man. Favorite lyric. Each host sheds light on their favorite lyric. Rachel, what do you got? <laughs> well, it's perfect because you just played it. Oh. It's, when, it's when she says, I'm a hot girl and I come in different flavors. The reason I like that is because it's feel like you can actually interpret that a few different ways mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. you know whether if it's you like an individual saying like I'm a hot girl and yeah I can be a hot girl and be you know kind of in this mood or this mood or this mood and I'm hot in all of those moods and they're all amazing or it's just anybody can be a hot girl and they're all different flavors but they're all hot mm-hmm. I, I just like these like subtle ways that you could interpret it but they're all just badass and there's not a right or a wrong one, but they're all really empowering. And so, yeah, I think that's my favorite lyric of the, of the whole song. I mean, Sophie, not to skip you, but it's, it's mine too. That was, my, <laughs> that was mine section too, you know, and, and you're right I, with the whole interpretations, like even what Sophie was talking about, you can also, am I stretching like an LGBTQ plus component because of the characters in the movie, you know, mm-hmm. You can argue they're all hot, but in different flavors and all that stuff. And you're like, ah. But also you left. I thought you were going to keep going just a little bit. All the hot boys got me as their screensaver. <laughs> I don't know. I love that line. You know, they've all got their phones, right? And yeah. so you got to put something on there. So you might as well put a hot girl. <laughs> I got my dog. Uh, Sophie, what do you <laughs> What's your favorite lyric? Wow, this is amazing content for the podcast. But yes. Exact same section. Oh, really? I, I, yeah. I skipped you for thinking. Wow. Yeah. 
I love so, it. Yeah. Great minds. On to the next one. We all got the same one. Yeah. <laughs> Hall of Fame moment. Who or what had their best moment in pop culture with this movie and our song? It can be anything. A person, a studio, a film, music genre, a face mask. Whatever you think. Rachel, do you have any nominations? This is a tough one, by the way, Rachel. If you don't have any, I, I can see, but let's see. My nomination is actually... And I'm not saying I agree with this, but I do think that Pete Davidson had the best moment with this film. He was at, and he's still at a level, but he was at his Kim Kardashian level, like his level mm. of fame in this movie and his association with it, I think was just kind of a, a perfect storm of celebrity-ness all happening at the same time. And then even after he broke up with Kim, he met his now you know partner Miss, you know, wonders, this is where they met and they're still together. So I think that they would probably oh, both agree that this was a good moment in their lives. So yeah, Pete Davidson ends up winning in the long term, maybe. <laughs> I'm glad you brought him up. And I was, I had him at sort of like a talking point on the movie section, but we didn't get there. I've always felt a little bit, don't know how to place him. Like, do I, I, I don't, in SNL, I didn't find him that funny. I really haven't seen yeah. much of his work. I'm like, Obviously, his level of fame, I feel like it's off the screen stuff. So I've never yeah. really kind of cared about. But he was really good at this movie. He was really good. And to me, it's like, this is it. This is the Pete Davidson like thing that I've, I haven't seen the King of Staten Island. He might, he'll probably be really good on that. But this is like my favorite of his. So, so yeah, my personal Hall of Fame moment for Pete Davidson, I guess I'm saying. So do you got any nominations? Yeah, I mean, I know that this is this one was a toughie to come up with some Hall of Fame moments. And I admit this one's pretty bold, but it's just a nomination. Okay, this could be a Hall of Fame moment for dumb movie deaths because Pete Davidson's death in this movie is so dumb that it's it's amazing. It's just amazing. I love it. So I yeah, I'm going to put up put one for dumb movie deaths. I, the only nomination I thought of would be Brad Pitt in Burn After Reading, the Coen Brothers movie, where he like shoot itself like cleaning a gun, something like that. Anyway, he shoots himself. It's really dumb. But I, I was the same thing, Sophie. I had Hall of Fame moment for awful use of a sword. Like, is there a worse <laughs> way to use a sword? Yeah. It's just the dumb way that he kills himself. These are some nominations, but I don't think they uh, passed the test. A uh, Hall of Fame moment for worst friends in film. Mm. I think that's a too Ugh. big of a statement wow. to say. But also, I said Heather's. Yeah. Like, Heather's would be one. Yeah. Mean Girls would be another. So, like, no. But it's it's in the ballpark. It's invited to the well, party. But also, both of those were clearly reference points for this movie. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And then the other one, it's a nomination, I don't think. But nomination for a Gen C cast. Yeah. That's a great one. Or well, Hall of Fame know, for still hubris. Got time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when you have you everybody kills themselves accidentally. <laughs> WTF, a moment from the movie or song that made you think I might have needed like a second opinion. Uh Rachel, do you have any? Not no, not on the song. Oh, I think no. the song's amazing. <laughs> you're like, I will say no. You're yeah. not gonna catch no, me no. Yeah. slandering anything related to Charlie XCX anytime soon. Um, in the movie, I did not really like, and I guess this was like a what the fuck, that when Pete Davidson is talking to Emma 
Mm-hmm. And he's saying he's having that conversation and telling her like she doesn't have an original thought in her head and it's really mean. And everybody's slapping each other. That whole scene is like, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. To me, it wasn't strange. That's how our friends behave. That's our Friday night at our yes. apartment. Sophie, do you have any WTF? Yeah. So like in the game, they're trying to hide from each other. But then Rachel Sennett's character has glow sticks around <laughs> her neck. <laughs> I was like, girl, you're not doing a good job of hiding. Well, it's perfect because she so much wants to be the center of attention that even in a hide and seek game, she wants to be seen and found. Yep, yep, yep. And it looks great on camera. So I, of course I know, you know, but I was a bit like, wow, you're not going to win this game. (laughs) (laughs) Is this a car song? (laughs) No one can define it, but everyone knows it when they hear it. Is this a song you listen to in the car? Rachel, it seems like I mean, I've I never... I just did a segment yeah. about car, how Charlie X writes about I've cars. never asked Rachel an easier question, I suppose, than this right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> listener, she's just nodding her head. That's it. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah, we all agree 100%. Our patrons made a question this week. It's a, it's a big one. Comes from Melly G, and she asks, Who's your favorite pop star right now? As we have established, it could be kind of different to say a pop star. So we'll see where we go. Uh, Rachel, what do you got? I'm going with Charlie X. <laughs> like she, like I'm such a huge fan of her. And like, I I mean, listen, I collect a, a lot of records and stuff, but I don't typically buy a lot of like pop albums on vinyl and that kind of stuff. But I make an exception yes. with Charlie XZX. Like I will anything that she puts out, I will buy physically every album that I can. And so I think that that makes her my favorite. Also, Tori Amos is a long term love mm. as well. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say both of those. Sophie, who is your favorite pop star right now? Ooh, I, I want to see what you answer here. Were we supposed to interpret this question as like who pop star of today or currently? Who is our favorite? Today, of today, of today. Of today. Okay. Well, because we've been having a moment with Madonna. You mm-hmm. bought this awesome vinyl with all these uh, Madonna remixes on them. And it's just been so much fun to go through that. So I, again, like it's sort of like pop. Is she pop? I don't know. But Jessie Ware, I've loved her last her, de- her, mm-hmm. her last two albums are fantastic. Definitely that new disco sound that Dua Lipa had with um, like Future Nostalgia. I like want to say Dua Lipa, but her songs are almost so huge that I don't listen to them on purpose because I know I'm going to hear them out in the world. But lately, I've had that Troy Sivan song, Rush, like on repeat. I love that song. And that's a frequent collaborator of Charlie XCX's as well. So mm-hmm. that's, a, you know, I'm going to tie it all all together. You don't have to worry about if Jessie Ware is pop because apparently it can be left field pop. Anything can be left field pop. So she's, she's left field <laughs> yeah, pop. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know? That's true. Yeah. I was surprised with my own answer. Doja Cat. Ooh, okay. Doja Cat because I really, well, this is a movie song podcast. So, surprise, surprise, I like her movie songs. I really like Boss Bitch. I bought that mm-hmm. soundtrack on vinyl. I listen to it, like, a lot. That's where I'm coming from. I've listened to Dojo Cat more than any other current yeah. pop star. I also really liked her song from Vegas. That was a really fun episode to make. Also, in the podcast research, I kind of 
have a blind spot for these like songs that become like super viral like sophie i think right there's like a doja cat song you can't even listen to it because you listen to it so much but i was like yes i can see why this is popular this is a banger i caught you listening to say so and you're like do you know this and i was like <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so yeah what rock I, so, have you been under exactly exactly <laughs> i also she had an acting performance in dave the fx show dave I thought she was really oh. good on that, too. I just think she's an interesting artist. I really like her stuff. There's your cat. Will the song go on? Will the song live on and continue to be part of pop culture? Is this a unanimous? Yes. That's a great question, actually. Mm. I am torn. I love it. But she's got some other songs that I think might be more popular in the long run than this one. I'm also not convinced that this movie is ever going to be like an iconic. Yeah, you know Rachel, what I mean? you're right. I think, I think that it's going to have a cult following. And I think that Charlie fans are going to love this song forever. But I, I, I think that even her Barbie songs may be performing a little bit better. So I'm not sure if this is the song, the Charlie song that will live on. I think she's got some better ones out there. That's exactly my feelings about the song, too. I love it. And I know that the fan like Charlie's devoted fans are going to love it forever. However, uh, you know, it didn't really make that big of a splash mainstream it didn't really chart uh i don't i think that when this movie ultimately becomes a cult classic people will like you know it'll be associated with the movie then so people will be really psyched about it but i don't think if we go to a charlie xcx show she's gonna perform this song necessarily like i think it's just sort of maybe like it'll become a deep cut shit this is sad I was, re- I was, I was ready to, <laughs> I, I was ready to be like, no, no, no. I was ready to be you like, yes, but I was, I was coming from quality, but Rachel, you'd like completely convinced me like, shit, you're right. Like this might just be like a deep cut that throughout the years, you're like, oh, this song that Charlie XCX this for the, did for this movie is like really dope. But you're looking at it the wrong way. She's got so many great songs. Well, that's the thing. Also, that with this that, one, with that waterfall strategy, and this now, it, she was, <laughs> even was saying like that release and keep releasing, like it's difficult to. Well, that's sad. It's all, it's the Oscars' fault. You should have nominated this song so we had something <laughs> to go back to. <laughs> we did it. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us on the pod. Your third, I wonder what your fourth will be what song but thanks as always rachel it was a blast hope you had a blast but it was great having you on the podcast oh my gosh thanks for having me especially for this gem of a film and a song <laughs> i know that now if Maybe, we ever yeah. do a fast and the furious one we just have to have you for that oh and there's some songs so yeah if you've got a fast and furious up i'm your girl <laughs> you better come with that hat <laughs> uh, to the pod <laughs> oh, you better believe i will <laughs> yeah uh rachel let the people know where they can follow you sure yeah you can find me on instagram and threads at the vinyl girl g-r-r-r-l or uh twitter slash x at vinyl girl and yeah i'm on lots of podcasts and stuff so you can follow me there is the best way to keep up with all of that rachel you're you're that good you're on demand what can i say everyone wants you on, on the pod yeah i'll do it sophie thank you so much as always for your amazing work research on the pod it's been a pleasure and thank you to the listeners thank you for listening remember share the podcast with a friend of yours who likes movies or music 
And remember to leave us a review in your favorite app of choice and subscribe and help us grow. And if you really, really, really like us and want to go the extra mile, want to become an angel investor, want to take over the pod when you get at it and then you kick us out and then the pod becomes your, you only do that through patreon.com slash the song will go on. As always, see you in the next song. Peace out. The Song Will Go On is written, researched, and produced by Sophie Matano and Paolo Garcia. Theme music is composed by William Russell. Consulting producers are JP Lee and Jonathan Fisher. Recording, editing, and mixing by Sophie Matano and Paolo Grassini. The Song Will Go On is a Gigawatts podcast. You can find Gigawatts on YouTube and on Instagram at gigawatts underscore YouTube. Gigawatts!